welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies thematically by month. Uh, and one of them dies a little more each week. Uh, my name is Cindy. I'm Josh. Can you guess from the title of the show which one of us is the, dies a little bit every week? Which one of the uh, aforementioned girlfriend? Who is the aforementioned girlfriend? Um, <clears throat> Maybe you don't want to assume gender. That's very good of you. But very still. nice of you. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Cindy, girlfriend here. <laughs> Uh, we just finished, we wrapped up October, which was Halloween in reverse, which was very interesting. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Enjoyed. It's going to be weird talking <laughs> to you because we took, we basically recorded all of the Halloween episodes in September, so we took like a few weeks off Yeah, because of illnesses and work It's been and a minute whatnot. since we've, uh. So it's going to be yeah. weird talking to you about not Michael Myers today. Oh yeah. It's, it's been, I feel like it's been a minute since we've done this, Since and it's not been about Michael else. Myers, or Dr. Loomis, or Haddonfield, <laughs> or... Jamie Lee Curtis. Especially Jamie Lee Curtis in rough, this house. Rough sequels. Looking at you, Halloween 5. Um, okay, but... But it is a new month. We As we begin November, we begin a new theme of horror movies to scare me to death. Yeah, and... Um, what are we starting This was this, this theme was decided on the stairs going to the basement. Uh, I said to you, hey, um, here's your options. Do you want to do uh, oh, you pick yeah. the wrong house or star of stage and screen? And you were like, star of stage and screen. So here we are. In star of stage and screen. We're going to do four movies. Okay. Two that revolve around theatrical plays. Okay. And two that revolve around movies or love of movies. Love that. And we're going to break them up and do uh, theater, film, theater, film. Because the two, the, uh, the two theatrical like the two play, uh, movies about plays are very similar. <laughs> Came out in the same year. Um, All right. It's wild. So you might already know who that is or what those are. I don't. If you are an astute listener and you love horror films, and especially the year 1987. What? Because today, that's when they came out. We're oh. about to talk about Dario Argento's opera. Opera. So I know a little bit about Dario Argento, I think. he Bright colors. Lot of, right? That's him. We did, yeah, he did Suspiria, right? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like basically when you talk about like who are the the pillars of um, Italian horror, people always go with Mario Bava because he's kind of like the grandfather. And then there's uh, Dario Argento, which he did like these giallo mystery slasher films. Mm-hmm. And then he did like his witch movies. And then like, I'm just going to throw him in there because I love him. There's Lucio Fulci, who just, just like these bananas, like, he did some um, giallos, but like these bananas, like, slashery zombie movies yeah. uh, that I love. But we're going to be talking about Dario today. Dario Argento today. Okay. And obviously it's going to be about an opera, I assume. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, basically, let's talk about 1987 first. What do you remember... About 1987. Um, not a whole lot. I was seven going on eight. Um, so, so that would be Ronald. Re- I, it's easy for me because my, like, I, yeah, I was born in 79. Mm. But like, 
I just I match up the year like yeah well you could you basically were born in like the last week right so I just match up the year and that's so you could I, just go eighty and then technically subtract one if you really yep. wanted to but yep yeah I'm just mm-hmm. bad at math I was a public school kid yep facts math has failed me um but 1987 the year was Reagan publicly acknowledged the arms for hostage deal. That was Iran-Contra. I still don't want to believe, but, but I believe. Everything tells me otherwise. Fuck yeah. him. Uh, AZT was approved for the treatment of HIV AIDS. And then remained the only thing available for another 15 years. More on that in a minute. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was the year of WrestleMania three, where uh, Hogan slammed Andre. Oh, that who can forget that? Or Steamboat wrestled Savage in the better match. Oh, it is what I it love is. Randy Savage. I uh, like Steamboat too. Platoon won Best Picture. The Simpsons debuted on the Tracy Ullman Show. The Simpsons debuted <laughs> in 1987. That shit is still happening. Here's what when the Simpsons first had their own TV show. So not during their debut, but when they the Simpsons TV show started, I was the same age as Bart Simpson. I was in fourth grade. Yeah, I am. Wild. No longer that age. Uh, Reagan challenged Gorbachev to tear down the wall, and Rick Astley released Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, classic. So that was 1987, roughly. Uh, that was the year that we gained Michael B. Jordan, Kendrick Lamar, Karen Gillan, uh, and we lost Liberace, Andy Warhol, Rudolph Scott, or sorry, Randolph Scott, uh, Fred Astaire, Jackie Gleason, John Houston, and Lee Marvin. Um, in case you're wondering, hey, what? Movies. If I was going to place this by what <clears throat> other movies came out in 87. What do we got? Um, Sometimes they're really amazing years. Angel Heart, Bad Taste, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Creep Show 2, personal <sighs> favorite of yours. No. Dirty Dancing, yes. <laughs> Dolls, Evil Dead 2. Um, this is an important year for movies that Cindy loves and hates. The Gate, Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. That's yes. it. That's one of yours, yeah. Uh, it's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. Yes. Uh, Lethal Weapon, yes. Lost Boys, Monster Squad. So, Monster Squad and Moonstruck are side by side in my notes. So, <laughs> okay. 1987 was a very uh, important year for both of us, right? As much as you love mm-hmm. Moonstruck and I love I Monster did love Squad. Moonstruck. Um, Near Dark, Netrun Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, Predator, uh, Prince of Darkness, Robocop, The Running Man, The Stepfather, uh, mm. Street Trash, and Three Personal o'clock favorite high. of mine. Fucking incredible year. Three O'Clock like, High is a solid good one too. year. Yeah, that's a solid movie here. Like, man, I would agree. RoboCop alone. <laughs> Everything else is like, holy shit. RoboCop came out that year. Um, so opera, opera. Dario Argento. It's our it's longest Italian. movie of the month, I believe. Damn it! How long? So it is four hours. No, it's oh. uh, it's rated R. It is one hour and forty seven minutes long. Uh, that is the longest movie of the month. Seventeen minutes too long. Okay, go ahead. Um, this movie was released December 19th of 1987 in Italy. Okay. It did not get a release in the U.S. until video <laughs> on September 6th of 1991. When did you first see this movie? Oh, years later. This okay. Was, I, I saw... 19, September 7th, 1991. <laughs> I saw, yeah. I saw a, most of the big Argento films before I saw this. I came to this one later. Like, okay. I think it was in, like, college. Okay. I saw this for the first time. Okay, because um, when you're like a teenager, you you tend to go more towards like Fulci than Argento, I believe, because they're gorier, like way like. Wait. Oh, the woman just puked her stomach up. Like, oh, that's yeah. what you want okay. more as a 
17, 16, 17 year old boy than you in do. In the like, 80s. Yeah. I'm not saying like <laughs> our films are bad. It's just, I was definitely more of a yeah. culture kid growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, the movie was directed, like we said, by Dario Argento. In my notes, I just wrote, famed Italian horror filmmaker. Uh, he also has a co-story and screenplay credit on this. He uh, started out doing film reviews as a teenager and became a screenwriter before directing uh, basically a slew of classics. Um, <laughs> before becoming a classic. So he started with The Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Okay. Which is his first film he directed. I and remember talking really about this. fucking when, good. What did we do by him before? Was it Suspiria? Was it was his? Suspiria. Yeah. I remember. Okay. Uh, and then he did Cat of Nine Tails, Deep Red, which a lot of people think is his best film. Suspiria, Inferno, Tenebrae, Phenomenon, or Phenomena. And then this is the end of like, this is the end of the classic Argento run. Like, a lot of people think that this he movie jumps is the, the shark. La- not that he jumps the shark. It, er, the movies are like... He jumps the shark. I'm trying to I gotta describe this. He jumps the shark. It's like the thing that like John Carpenter did, where like he had a run where it's like he just banger after banger mm-hmm. after banger. And then it, it's like you just get worn down and you start releasing movies Can't that keep have up that pa- awesome that pace, yeah. elements to them. Like you know, there's like sequences that are really good or like... But there's always like one thing in the movie where like... Mm-hmm. Like that thing's keeping it from being like perfect, and with I know with Carpenter and it might be the same with um, Argento, it, it became a thing of like you're just knocking hits out of the park, and then your reward is smaller budgets and people shitting on you, and you're just like, oh, why am I doing this? Yeah, right. So for a lot of people, this ends the golden era Argento run. Okay, um, it is co-storied by Fra- uh, Franco Farini. Who was a writer on Phenomena, uh, Demons, Demons Two, right? We watched Demons yes, for the podcast. Fucking that movie, long time ago. Uh, the Church, which was also known as Demons Three, and he he wrote a lot of the later Argento films too. After okay, yeah. Uh, this film was shot. The cinematography is by Ronnie Taylor, um, who did Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, okay. uh, Gandhi. Oh wow! Okay, and it's quite a quite a change. Popcorn. Popcorn. I don't think yeah. I'm familiar I don't know why I'm bringing that movie up. I mean, I don't think I know that one. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that I would pull that movie out. Okay, well, highlight it that takes place in a movie theater. I don't know why I would do oh, that. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I, I was unfamiliar with the work. <laughs> he's a camera operator on the original Star Wars as well. Um, the music in this film is done by Brian Eno and Claudio Simonetti um, and Goblin. So, Claudio Simonetti is in a rock band called Goblin. And they scored a lot of Argento's films. Okay. <laughs> it's like this weird, Goblin. progressive nightmare music at times. And I love it. Um, so there you go. That is the the filmmakers in a nutshell. Uh, right. I'm just going to run down the cast real fast. Please There's do. one person I want to talk about in particular. So Christina. Um, Ricci. Yes, it's Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Guys. Um, star of everyone's favorite Sleepy Hollow adaptation. So Christina Marcilich plays um, Betty. And she's from like a long line of um, Italian like, acting. Like, no, yeah, I think they were. I know she's in Spain now, so it's like this continental European acting family, and she runs like an acting academy now. Oh, interesting. Um, the thing she's most known for outside of this is a drama called "Every Time We Say Goodbye," which is about like um, a a Jewish woman and a soldier who fall in love during wartime. Oh. So that's kind of like her normal wheelhouse. And they were like, hey, you want to be in this bananas fucking movie? Okay. Um, 
Sure. But the other lead of this movie is the person that I want to talk about. Ian Charleston. Okay. It's the uh, name. Not Charleston. Charleston. Oh, okay. So he plays Marco. Polo. Um, right. Uh, remember when I said, hey, um, more on AZT in a minute. Right. So he was in Chariots of Fire and Gandhi. Uh, he is a noted British stage actor. And there's actually a British um, stage award named after him. Oh. And it, it awards the best classical that means he's dead. stage performance in Britain by an actor under 30. Okay. So Ian, Ian Charlson was a gay man. Okay. Who made this film <laughs> uh, right not long before he died. I think it was like two years before he died. He was in a car accident while filming this movie. Oh. Went to the hospital and they were like, you'll be okay. You do have AIDS. Oh, that's the worst way to find out. Um, Holy that's how we shit. Found out. Um, yeah. Nightmare. He, I will give, and the reason I want to highlight him is not only is he a phenomenal actor and he did an amazing job in this movie, which, I mean, everything he did, he was great in, but he mm-hmm. was the British guy. He was the British Rock Hudson. And okay. the fact that he was like, oh, I'm going to die. Please publicly put in all my obituaries in the press and everything that it was from AIDS yeah, and that AIDS kills people and like make people pay attention to it. Yeah. So he was that guy for England, um, which is Took why America a few more years. Um, well, we lost Rock Hudson earlier. He died earlier than this. Oh, so well, and, and the thing, the thing I don't, I can't speak to what the uh, culture and climate was in England, but in America, you want to was... know who turned, who, who the turning point was in America? Do you know? Ryan White? <laughs> no. Magic Johnson. 100%. Magic Johnson coming. Yes. Magic Johnson was, coming out. Ryan White. Uh, you would think, but I'm telling you right now, like I was like a kid growing up then yeah. and I read about Ryan White and he had this poor kid with the transfusion and we have to fix this transfusion and blah, 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 blah. But as soon as Magic Johnson started talking about it, and he did like a video with Arsenio Hall, Still and alive, it was like a whole thing. It was like, oh, and he went around and like did the talk show circuit. I mean, I just remember being like, oh, that he's like a member of the Dream Team. All these things that happened, and like they talked about it, and that's what started public school talking about it. Truly, it, that was my generation. Yeah, no, I get that. I for me, I always think Ryan White because. Well, Ryan mean, White is the one who unlocked federal funding right. under Reagan. Because it wasn't a gay AIDS disease. Because right. they were like, oh my God, like little kids can get this. Yeah. Um, it took like a little white kid who to get it before someone would be like, what if we helped people? But Jesus. Um, yeah. But you know what? I'm not going to sit here and throw stones nope. and talk about the negative. I just want to talk about for a second Ian Charlson doing an amazing thing with his life. Yeah. Like he was such a good actor. And then he was like, Oh, you know what? I am going to die. I couldn't imagine someone telling you like, Hey, so you'll be dead soon. And then being like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to charge head forward. Yep. And make this mean something like I can't yeah. even begin to imagine what that was like. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Good on him. Yeah. 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 Like, good but, on him. you know, you made so many people happy doing, you know, he's dated so much Shakespeare. He's one of those guys, right? Yep. You know, when it was like, I went to the Royal Albert Hall and I did King Lear and I, right. you know. King um, Lear, my favorite Shakespearean. He did all these things. And then his last Fun thing fact. was like trying to help 
because he knew so many other actors and trying to help so, you know so many young people like good for him i've read them all that's my favorite <laughs> i'm sorry i am that person least favorite my least favorite uh i don't like uh, is it henry v i don't like the histories really are just they all bleed into each other like nah, it's a dumb I just remember reading um, A Midsummer Night's Dream and hating it. <laughs> because it's taught in public schools the wrong way. It's supposed to be like, seriously, like Romeo and Juliet start. Like you'd be like, it's taught in public school. End. <laughs> like Romeo and Juliet, I taught all the time because I taught it the right way. It opens up with two people talking about their dick size and like arguing over who can, has the best game. And then it goes from there. It's like interesting. And Midsummer Night's Dream is like, oh, all these people are tripping balls and this is what's fucking this is what they see this is their like vision of things and be oh yeah it's like a head like they're tripping balls but you're, yeah you can't teach that in school well i mean i do but, you can't talk about drugs in school i mean i do i literally but, part of my job is to talk about drugs in school <laughs> yeah. um but you couldn't yeah. in our education times so i will say this um We've come a long way since Dare. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Remember yep. Dare? Where it was just like, a, like a lazy cop was like, "Here's how you get good drugs. Here's yep. what drugs look like." And I'm like, "Well, now I know what I'm look. I now know what I'm shopping for." Um, and what part yeah. of town I can? Uh, I'm I am old enough that I was before Dare. Yeah, uh, Dare was instituted after I was out of elementary school. We we had a very. Um, condensed version of dare because because there were only 10 of you no um there were 20 some of us but the, <laughs> co- the my hometown's chief of police was supposed to teach it and he taught like three classes and then his appendix burst and oh my he god he was gone for like the rest of the year <laughs> so that's all you got of dare that was it also that explains, like that explains i think it was things. hard because my hometown only had one cop on duty at a time it was hard mm-hmm. for them to justify having more than one cop on on duty at a time. It's okay to just have one hanging up. Because there were again, like 10 of you. Broke as fuck. Small town. Yeah. Um, oh, so rounding out the cast. Sorry. So I'm going to get back oh, to good. Italy. Uh, Urbano Barberini uh, plays Inspector Alan Santini. That was a name. That was a whole thing I was going to say, because of course. Um, he was George in Demons. So you might recognize him from Demons. Maybe. And then, because... It ends the uh, the golden era of Argento run. We have to have his longtime collaborator, Muse, and the mother of his daughter, okay. Daria wow. Nicolodi. So she plays Mira. Uh, she uh, She's the mother of Ozio Argento. Ozio. Uh, problematic figure, Ozio Argento. Okay. Uh, she was a co-writer on Suspiria. She was in Deep Red. She's in Inferno, Tenebrae, and Phenomena. Okay. Um, so there you go. That is, in a nutshell, this movie. This movie is fucking crazy. And I'm excited for you to look at this poster. Because right. this poster's fucking crazy. And its craziness matches the tempo <laughs> of the film. I will tell you that the tagline for this movie is an aria of terror from the maestro of horror, Dario Argento. All right. We've reached the part of the podcast where Josh has been original movie poster of the film and i try to predict the meaning okay uh oh jesus what the fuck yeah this movie exists okay so we've got two images that are put together the bottom is a call an an, um globe um, a theater much like 
the Shakespearean theater where it's like the balconies that just go straight up. Um, a traditional opera theater in black and white. And then it's Dario Argento opera. And then there are eyes on top that are staring out that have been stapled. Are there's needles? They're being held open with needles. Yep. Oh, gross. Get ready for that. That happens in this movie a lot. <laughs> what? Eyelids being held open with needles? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Movie's gonna be about an opera. I gotta go. <laughs> Mind the doors. Uh, it's on Shutter. Um, you can watch it on Shutter. Uh, I highly encourage that. Um, it had a Blu-ray. It came out from I think Red Scorpion originally. Um, but, 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 but. It is since we've gone out of print. Just watch it on Shutter. That's the cheapest way to do it. I don't know if you can rent it on Amazon, but Shutter Shutter got that deal, so it will be there. Okay. Well. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors. You are invited to enjoy an evening of terror. My voice doesn't do those things. <laughs> oh, that is a very flat thing, but <laughs> it's still not a thing my voice does. So, uh, all right. So this movie, Exists. the pins in the eyes were the worst part. I would say the pins in the eyes. I think were the worst. Um, Isn't that like such a movie director thing, though? <laughs> of like, you make scary movies for a living, and and you get you see people always like, and I think Argento even mentioned this. You see people like ducking away or like closing their eyes at the scariest moments. You're like, I put so much work into this. Well, I mean, you need to watch the scariest part. I could watch it, but it was the most no, uncomfortable. Like, I the think. thing of like putting the things there, so it's like forcing you yeah, yeah, to watch yeah. the oh, scary yeah. bits. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this movie was about um, a young opera singer is thrust into the spotlight. Much like in Phantom of the Opera. Um, and she gets... This an is obs- a better version of Phantom of the Opera. She gets life. an obsessive... 
<laughs> it's better than Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> the better version of this movie is Phantom of the Paradox. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, and she, you know, she gets a stalker. And the stalker ties her up and yes. kills people in front of her. Double yes. And then lets her go. And there's like an odd sex, sexual kind of tension to it. Triple yes. Um, and then it turns out that the obsessive stalker was actually a stalker of her mother's. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of taking his... Was mom sexly. Right. But like willingly. And is like, yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's just pause on the description of this movie for a second. Okay. Say, so, yeah, I want to. I just want to throw a scenario out to you. Hit me. With um, the best shot. You interact with your mom regularly. I do indeed. Could you imagine if someone who was a police officer oh, harassed you constantly? I didn't want it. You're spilling beans. Because it was your mom's sex slave. Gross. And they never let them get off and have their moment in the sun if you will nope so now they're trying to like pay you back by making you into your dead mom in this scenario so they can again be your sex slave yeah um no thank you that's no yes i don't even talk to my father (laughs) i can't imagine what you're describing no thank you maybe your father is please don't talk to police officer nope I feel like the sex slave thing was there first and then the cop thing came second. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was the other way around because he was young. Urbano Barberini's like young. He's like almost the same age as like the main character. So it's like he was like probably like a little boy. Well, that was what I mean. I found it odd because if she was, I think she said five when she had her memories of her mother and him. Um, he's probably a few years older. So I'm going to say 10. That's he's I mean. 10. That's, so that's and he's not, her mom's sex lady. So then it's not as. And her mom's like was a monster person. Right. She was a child molester. So that's a thing. The whole nine. So if you had sex slave. No. Like boy sex slave. On your prediction chart. police officer. On your bingo card. We, there you go. Check, Drink. You might have just won. Drink. You might have just won the bingo. Oh. Um, okay, so I I'm didn't give think you... about how old he'd be. Like I'm, he was a child. I definitely took note of like it's weird how young this guy is. I should have gotten an older actor. Well, actually, let's just do this real fast. Um, so the lady, the actress who plays Betty, was born in 1963. Okay. Okay. The actress that played the inspector was born in 1961. <laughs> so she was. So, fucking around. I mean, God, that's terrible. That makes seven, her so much worse. Eight? Right? Like this monster character that we never okay, meet. Was that like intentional? Like, yes, this mother was a molester and a child sexual predator. and Or was it really like, well, it's just this actor. That's just who we got. Mm, what do you think? I, I'm i going to go with it was intentional. Okay. Um, because I don't think there's a lot of unintentional things. In Argento movies. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know. um, I feel like this might be less shocking to Europeans. I feel like they would still be like, well, that's wrong. But they're probably not like, holy shit. Well, that's fucked up. That kid was probably like eight. Um, That's fucked up, right? So, you know, 
Uh, I will say real fast the IMDb synopsis is. Oh, yeah, here you go. Um, I'll give you the slightly, I'll give you two. Okay. I'll give you the really short one and I'll give you the slightly longer one. So the short one is, a young opera singer is stalked by a deranged fan bent on killing the people associated with her to claim her for himself. There you go. Boop. That's pretty close um, to what I said. Yeah. And then the long, slightly longer one that? is, young opera singer Betty gets her big chance when the previous star of a production of Verdi's Macbeth is run over by a car. Convinced that the opera is bad luck, she accepts and becomes the target in, in parentheses in Argento's unmistakable style. Um, of a psychopath, a man who has inhabited her nightmares since her childhood. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Like, he's had, she's had nightmares about him, and he's not old enough to have been a grown man. Right. So she was definitely, like, molesting a child, a boy, um, who I will say, I will give the benefit of the doubt and let it stretch to be, like, he was, like, teenager. For the purpose of the story, but it's still it's wrong. Still not okay, it's guys. Still evil. It's still not okay. Cindy doesn't like it. But oh, it's fucking wild. Like it's one of those things where you, where you stop and you think about it, and you're like, oh, oh, new, 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 new. But neither IMDb synopsis or you brought up the star of this movie, the this, real star of this movie. He was the real star of this movie. The Cage of Crows. Oh, that's true. Um, I would argue that the the two best characters in this movie are the Cage of Crows. They are our heroes. And Ian Charlson's um, horror film director turned opera director. Uh, I enjoyed the Everloving Yeah, that was pretty good. He was pretty good. <laughs> Fact. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when he was being mega sleazy, he's basically just playing Argento in this movie, right? Is like, he really? Yeah. Like, he's a horror film director who wants something beyond horror, who wants to be taken seriously as an artist. Okay. Um, that's that's Argento written all over it. And then even when he like does uh, an opera that gets really good reviews, they still fucking dunk on him in the reviews. Oh yeah, it's Dario Argento. Um, so Dario, uh, I forget the name of the movie. He only made one not. He only directed one non horror movie. Was it Macbeth? And then he went back to do horror. Um, we can go ahead and talk about this now. What? I guess. Okay, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this on the drive. As I do, I was driving back from work today and I was thinking about this movie and I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And I had a thought cross my mind. What's that? And I can only explain it through the context of sports. Okay. Hit so stay me. with me. I'm trying. All of my nerds. Um, I've already zoned out. There's a, there's a term in, in sports and, and especially in like football coaching Okay. called um, your coaching tree, right? Like, how good is a coach? You compare them by their win-loss record, but also, like, the coaches that they brought up and produced, right? Like, who you brought in as, like, a coordinator who worked for you. And then went on to become, like, a head coach. And then they went off and then became, like, the head coach of another school. Okay. And then they had people to come behind them. And, like, you you established this, this dynasty of coaching. Okay. I say this. Because Argento is part of that. Um, And that is Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Um, There are a few people in the, quote, coaching tree of Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock was... A lot. Alfred Hitchcock. He did a lot of movies. He sure did. Over a very long period of time. And he had a lot of people while he was alive imitate him. And he had a lot of people towards the end of his career who imitated him. He had a lot of people that imitated him in, in 
you know, kind of use the Hitchcock language of cinema, you know, his whole thing of like, you know, how you build suspense and how you frame shots. Like, it became a language all its own. It is very well studied. So it got picked up and used by a lot of filmmakers. Like Richard Franklin from Australia is the perfect example of a guy who made a wide range of movies that had suspense elements and he used a lot of Hitchcock language, but he didn't have the same proclivities okay that hitchcock did and then so there there's two there's two very specific pieces of fruit on that hitchcock coaching tree that i want to there are talk a lot about. of metaphors here yes. okay and those are dario argento right and brian de palma okay um they are both uh hyper fixated on like staging a scene weirdos very much in the vein of Hitchcock. Okay. In the vein of a lot of people, like Richard Feynman, but where they are more akin to Hitchcock is, they have this weird psychosexual thing that Hitchcock had, where he would like, it was all about being fixated on a woman and then putting her through hell, right? Like in The Birds or in Psycho. Like all these movies revolved around an icy blonde for Hitchcock, right? Um, and then that turns for De Palma into body double. Okay. Where it's like sleazy. That's a season three for us. I it's believe. a really, we know, no, no, we've never done it for the show. You we literally watched, watched half of that movie with me one time and you're like, what the fuck is this thing? Ah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Why is he sniffing her panties that she threw oh, away yeah. in the trash can? No, because you. it's a Brian De Palma movie. Yeah. It's this beautifully staged scene that ends with him Gross. fishing a pair of panties out of a trash can, a public trash can, and smelling them. Um, Gross. So this just to kills the same so way. Back, okay. So what I'm saying about Argento is Argento has this trying thing. to keep you on track here. Okay. Well, no, no, Following no, no. the metaphor, I'm the, I'm bringing the train into the station. Got I'm about it. To, I'm about to land the plane. I'm going to put all the metaphors I can into this. Trust in the pilot. Um, what I'm saying is Hitchcock was a combination of um, master craftsman. And pervert. Okay. Uh, in, a, in the best possible way. Right. Okay. He gave us like classics. And Argento is very similar to that. He sets up these beautifully uh, made intricate plots where women get stalked and attacked. Yeah. Um, and most of his movies are about that. Um, that's Giallo in general, right? Like Giallo is um, a genre that gave us the slasher film in the 80s, in the 70s. In Italy, it was... You know, beautiful women, models, going down corridors. Right. They're being, like, right. stalked by gloved killers, and you never see their faces until the end of the movie when you're, Much like... Much like this movie. Like, in a very Scooby-Doo fashion, you're like, oh, my God, it was the cop who'd been molested his entire life. He was the one that was at fault the whole time. Um, so he's got these, like, weird sexual proclivities in the same way Brian De Palma does. So and they're making movies at the same time, and they're, like, kind of stealing from each other and also kind of, like doing a lot of Hitchcock at the same time. And I just find it interesting. You can't talk about Argento and his style and the things he's into without talking about Hitchcock okay. and the craftsmanship and the shot design. And so that's what I was thinking about on the drive back. And then it also comes into it, uh, the era that these movies shined, right? Like slashers become a whole separate thing. It becomes like, Boys and girls die. That's fun, right? You have sex, you die. Right. It's the 80s in a nutshell, jokingly, right? Yeah. But in the 70s, it was a lot of like, 
Well, in the 60s, you think about the civil rights movement, right? In the 70s, it became more about like feminism and women's equality. So the scary thing was the idea of like, women are scary. They're trying to replace us. They're trying to be our equal. So all these horror films in the 70s, for the most part, at their core, it's trying to put women back in their place. Okay. Trying to keep them from rising above their station. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, a lot of times the killer fails, but that's the killer's purpose. Right. Right. Is like he wants to elevate our opera singer to the level of importance in his life and the world that her mom had. But he wants to control her, too. So that puts him above her. Gotcha. Right. It, It goes back to like. You know, people say the two most important horror films of the 70s are Texas Chainsaw and uh, The Exorcist. Literally, The Exorcist is a movie about the world being terrified of a teenage girl's body. True. And then the Catholic Church has to come in and be like, no, 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 no. Like, let's take us back to the Dark Ages. Right. Like, God is good and we can't have women having any agency, which is kind of why I don't fucking like The Exorcist. Okay. Like, as an adult, seeing it again, I'm like, um. And that's what a lot of these Giallo See, three months are. ago for that episode. It's a lot of, you know, women rise, like trying to rise above their station or like becoming the central figure of the film. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost always a man, a unseen, mm-hmm. masked, gloved, mystery man who comes into the movie to kill women. Yep. Um, and, and I think a lot of times people get upset with these movies for being misogynist. And trust me, there are definitely giallo films that are misogynist, like misogynistic, that paint women terribly, that are not good. Okay. But I think for a lot of these Argento films, they're reflecting what was going on at the time where, like, you know, it's this thing where, like, we have a human trait of seeing equality as, like, a pie. And, like, if I share the pie, that means I get less. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like we think of it as like I said, as a you know, finite resource, like equality. Mm-hmm. So if, if for you to rise in stature, I have to lower in stature. So I think in the 70s, there was a lot of like fear and hate more so than normal towards like women, especially going into the workforce. It's why right. you see in the 19- nine to five and stuff like that. Yeah. Come out then, in the yeah. 1940s with all of these um, film noir movies were like, it's a sinister woman seducing a man to do something wrong because women had agency in the workforce in the 40s because men were in World War II. And we're seeing that in the 70s and the early 80s too, which these movies are a reaction to because it's like this young woman gets her dream, but it's been given to her by a man who wants to control her through that. It's very odd. And it's also like weirdly like, I'm not going to defend Dario's daughter, Ozia, because she's very fucking problematic. But she was one of the people that was like, her Hollywood career was initially derailed by Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Which, it's almost a one-to-one lineup. I mean, she also molested a kid, don't get me wrong. Allegedly. That's the whole thing. Mm. So I'm not saying she's totally in the right. I'm just saying, like, it's so weird how these things line up. And I think... You can't look at Giallo in general without having that mindset. 
And then you also can't look at Argento's work. And I think that's why the Ian Charleston character seems so detached. His Marco character is like, you know, that's whatever. Yeah, he's Um, very, yes. And his girlfriend even comments that he's so detached lately. Was right? Was you're talking about the director, right? Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, she says like you're usually so angry. The last time this happened, you were so vehement. Like, what's going on with you? And it's so funny to me too that like he, the Marco character, is like I, I took. She's a model, and she's like I skipped a photo shoot and took two flights to be here with you. Oh yeah. And then you just want to fuck this other girl and like ah uh, whatever. And it's true because like models had sex with Dario Argento. He looks like a member of the room. He looks like Joey Ramone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a dude that you would be like, women probably throw themselves at that guy. It was the same with Hitchcock, right? Like, Hitchcock was surrounded by all these beautiful women, but you're like, you're not a guy that... You look like a big potato. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, I'd, all I had to bring to the table today was, Lady Macbeth is not a major character. When you think of Macbeth, I mean, yeah, Lady Macbeth, it's important, you know, she does have some pretty key scenes, you know, trying to wash your hands and, and whatnot. But, like, she's not the star of the show. Macbeth is. The witches are. Then maybe her. What's your favorite Macbeth adaptation? Uh, and That's not really one of my favorites. Uh, is it? I can't think of his name. I'm only thinking of Hamlet right now. It'll come to me later, my favorite. Oh, my favorite um, version of Hamlet is... The scene in, uh, oh, what's the, oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember the name of the movie. What was the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger, you had the ticket and you could go in the movie and they had like a scene where they shot a scene from Hamlet with Arnold and had an Uzi? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but that sounds phenomenal. Last Action Hero. Yeah, there's a scene in Last Action oh, Hero. Gosh, I, I will that show that to I'll show you that decades. scene at some point where he's like smoking a cigar and he's like, to be... Well, not to be. And like an explosion happens in the background and he goes, not to be. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, anyways, we're getting sidetracked. Um, all, that, that was all I was going to say was like, oh, she's this amazing, you know, opera singer. And it's great. I mean, that is a good role, but it's not unheard of because it's not a lead. Like, I don't know. I don't, um, yes. I don't. Honestly, like, I don't know enough about opera or about. I know enough the about Macbeth. Opera version of Macbeth that I don't. I, I like, actually I don't know to look up if different. that was even a real thing. Wait, I, I don't. Oh, know, sure I don't even is. know if it is a thing. All and operas I'm, are surrounded by sopranos, so yes. Um, I will say quickly, my favorite version of Macbeth is the Kurosawa movie Throne of Blood. Remember you watched that with me, where it's like a Japanese samurai mm-hmm. version of Macbeth. Yes. At the end, where they're like they're shooting all the arrows and he's like screaming. It, yeah, that fucking rules. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I like this movie a lot. Um, and I fucking love the crow thing. We didn't even talk about how they turn the crows loose because the killer hacks up a bunch of crows because there's crows there. And then they're like, well, the crows remember. Yes. So the, the, the movie, crows like, have to identify because the only person who saw the face of this person, of the killer, were the crows. Yeah. Take Ian Charleston aside. Um, we were saying the, the crows, right? Yes. The maniac, he, not only does he tie Betty up mm-hmm. and then put the things on her eyes mm-hmm. and make her watch him kill her boyfriend. So delicate. Um, make him watch her, 
make her watch him kill the seamstress lady. Mm-hmm. Who was her friend. Uh, and the most ridiculous death in the whole movie. Yes. Um, he also, like, kills some of the crows. Right. Because there's crows. And why not? And then, so, Marco. But, but crows remember faces. Yeah, because they're not Brad Pitt. Because Brad Pitt's face, Brad Pitt's face body. So, <laughs> when the, the big reveal is that they bring her back to sing, you know, Lady Macbeth. And then they very awkwardly release all the crows uh, out into the audience. I will, I will say not awkwardly, amazingly, because they smash. He pushes them out through with his feet. Well, no, like they smash yes. the crate metal cage thing through the window. And people are like, is this part of the show? And then they just let the birds out and they fly around. And then they pluck Atta- out. Start attacking someone. The cops eye. Because they would remember like, oh, that's the one who hurt our friends. And then this movie's got the old double finish. Also, I checked that out, and that is true. What's that? Crows will do that. By by the dude's eyeball out for killing. Like yeah, knife? like if um if you I've never have you ever seen a crow nest? But if you like destroy a crow nest, if they see ship. you, I know what a crow's nest looks if like. If they see you, they yeah, they, they you might get attacked. They're like that motherfucker. They can recognize faces. Good for them. That's why like you can also train crows super easily. Did you know about that? I've seen Game of Thrones. No, I mean in real life. Like if you leave, like if you purposefully leave food out and like you see a crow and then you like put food in front, like food where they once were and they see you do it, they'll keep coming back. And then after a few times, they bring gifts. They bring bring you, yeah, they bring you a gift, but like like you can, yeah, like a trade. They're like, thank you. And like, if you start giving them better gifts for certain, like, oh, you brought me a dime. Here's a piece of meat. They will start robbing people for you. Like they will start going after whatever it was that got them the better food. They're very easily so I'm trained. about to have a crow army. A murder of crows. An air force of crows, if you will. Uh, um, this yeah. movie has a double a double ending. Yes. It does have that. So um, the cop, Ubar, uh, Robert Barberini. <laughs> did I say it right? Um, Maybe. He has his eye ripped out and then he confronts Betty and ties her to a chair and blindfolds her and then... It's going to kill them both. Sets the room on fire and is like, shoot In the me. slowest burn that's ever been in a theater ever. And like she shoots and then she escapes the chair and there's a burning body. Turns out it's not him. And she's saved by Marco. And then they go to the Alps. Yeah. They're in the Swiss Alps. You know, they are in, they are in the German side. There was two German doll. There were two German shepherds, and the lady said "Donke Shane." It was the most like stereotypical German there could be. Sure. It was German. Sure, I'll give you that. Um, and then uh, basically, they're haven't they kind of a couple, not a couple. Like they're shacking up together. Else? Yeah, taking a, they're taking a breather together. Um, and then the the maid comes in and she's got a thing of flowers and it's like ah ha ha ha. And then she gets murdered off screen. Yeah. And you hear her drop something and they're just like, ha, 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 clumsy bitch. <laughs> and then Betty leaves and then Marco sees the news that like, oh, no. It was a mannequin that was in life. Right. And um, he's like, run, Betty, run. And I sure like, enough, I feel like, there he is. I feel like mm. it would be very easy and very quick. Like almost a thing you would do at the scene of the crime when they put the fire out. To be like, that is not a human body. 
Yeah. That is a dummy. I think you would know it, that. It's like um, the Hunt for the Water people where he makes, he takes that, like, makes that dummy and sets it on fire. Yeah. To, to make the, and they're like immediately like, that's a dummy. There was a dummy found. <laughs> like, it's not a point. Yeah, it doesn't look like you <laughs> at all. a plate for a face. Um, I forgot about that. So, uh, yeah, uh, our, our intrepid one-eyed police officer villain. Makes it sex, to. Child sex slave. Right. Uh, stabs. Do, 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 do. Marco. Yeah, Marco oh, dies. Uh, we didn't mention. In he the makes it to the alta to the in the final fire. scene, but yeah, we didn't mention in the fire that that's where he unveils the whole thing. Like I was like your, your mother's mom's sex slave, right? Um, blah 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 blah. And then so he chases her through the Alps, as one does. Um, and he's gonna kill her, and then she basically convinces him that like yes, I'm a lot like my mom. Yes, and I'll do anything for you. Yeah, we should be a thing and be in love. Let's go and, together. And then it's able to distract him long enough for the police to show up, and then they arrest him, yeah. and he screams, and they take him off, and the movie ends. Um, wrapping it up in a nice little bow. Uh, the original ending of the movie was they did go off together after she realized that, like, yes, I am my mom. Yeah, she li- which I, I like, like it. That would have been a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Like, after she spent the whole movie, little like, Stockholm syndrome being that person. Like, they didn't give any indication I, where she might have been that way. No, I feel like they did. There was definitely, like, there were times, like, she didn't call the police. She didn't, like, there were certain things. There was like, you kind of like this. I guess. You kind of like, like that you're being, like, someone obsesses really, over you. really play up the fact that, like, she can't come from just having right. sex. Yeah, they play that up a lot. That's a thing. She's like, it just doesn't work That's for a me. sentence that I just left my mouth about yeah. a movie that we just watched. They don't explain it. She just says, like... We can't go to bed together. It just doesn't work for me. What yeah. doesn't work? My, what doesn't work? My vagina, apparently. Um, it's that, it's, it really, like, to circle back, to wrap this all up, it's that Hitchcock thing. Like, right. And the thing is, like, people talk about, like, oh, like, Hitchcock lived in an era that was so tame and you couldn't do certain things. And, like, mm. to show, like, sex in North by Northwest, you had to cut to, like, you had to go from, like, um, even Marie Saint and and Cary Grant mad hitting on each other to like a train driving into a tunnel and you're like oh they were definitely fucking yeah them. oh that's um, what that means but Hitchcock made a movie in the 70s called Frenzy okay where <laughs> it is a no limit soldier Alfred Hitchcock movie that not enough people talk about where literally a man um, violently strangles women with a necktie whoa uh, and then basically jerks off on them um, he made that movie. Because Gross. that's kind of the dude he was. That's how the like, 70s were. If Hitchcock would have been born 20 years later, he would have made some sleazy fucking movies. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's why the Torchbearers really become De Palma, who makes fucking Dress to Kill and Body Double. Um, oh, what's the uh, blowout, right? Yes. His villain in that movie is sleazy is as a fuck. a sleazy man where, who wears gloves. He has that weird watch. Yep. He strangles women like... Up close and Almost personal. all of Argento's films, especially in the Golden Era, are like these jollos where it's like a strong woman is tr- like threatened by a man uh, who then tries to murder her and usually tries to murder a bunch of people around her to prove a point or to right. hide the crime. That's right. a traditional thing. So, yeah, let me ask you this. Yes. Did you like this movie? It was. I did like it. I, it was. I did like it. Um, it was, like I said, a little creepy. Uh, the eye thing really got me, but that's kind of the point. Uh, I had an inkling when, you know, throughout the movie, I was like, mm, I think it's that cop. 
but it, it also was like, oh, the but it could also top. be the director. Like, there was enough of a mislead that I was like, I'm not going to say what I think out loud. Yeah. Let me just um, wait. I'm going to skip the normal questions, and I'm just going to run through this real fast on our way out. What's so that? if we do the old... Is this an exploitation film? Is this the Arkopoulos? Oh, I thought thing? we've established that most Italian um, <laughs> pictures at this, this time are has action. It moves. Okay. Um, it is revolutionary. Yes, the eyes thing is wild. I to mean, me. there are things that are revolutionary. It's also very much in a staple genre that okay. it does a lot of genre. This is you've not seen a lot of Giallo films or a lot of Argento. There, a lot of them are very much in this mold. Okay, so main revolutionary question. Different antagonists. Um, motives and different protagonist jobs. Okay. <laughs> like they're not all opera singers, but they're like, I'm a writer. I'm a filmmaker. Right. Um, killing, yes. Oratory, Marco? Um, He's the best character in the movie, I swear. <laughs> he has some good scenes, but nothing, I mean, I don't know, nothing I'm well, like. Well, it's hard to judge. That's uh, true. This not the original language. Because we've talked about this in other movies, like on an Italian set, if you're German, you're speaking German. If you're Italian, you're speaking Italian. If you're English, you're speaking English. And they just dub, the dub everyone. This so one was rather well dubbed at first, wild. I said. Um, Knowing fantasy, what... yes. Yeah, God, I hope so. Yeah. This movie is like... I mean, the, it's predicated on a sex, an act of sexual violence. Yes. So there you go. Um, this is our first. This is our... This is our... Star of Stage and Screen. This is Stage. What are we watching next week for Star of Stage and Screen? So we're going to do something a little different. Okay. We're going to watch something fun. Okay. Uh, we're going to do popcorn. popcorn. We talked about that earlier. What? Okay. I've never so, heard of this movie. So much fun. Okay. Um, it, no weird sexual proclivities. I oh, well, that's just going to so be got really, that. really fun. Okay. And yeah. Okay. So really, really fun. And, and then he stopped. Okay. Help. When was it made? Let me ask 91, this. 91, I think. It's, it's in the 90s. It's a 90s movie. Okay. Came out the same year as Terminator 2, I think. Mm, okay. Well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs>